Good morning, Gate Church family. Happy Mother's Day again. They told me it would be so fun to speak on Mother's Day, and then everybody got me crying. So <laughs> Pastor Eva had me crying, and then Jill talking to her mom had me crying. I don't need that. I'm not fancy. I don't have an iPad, guys. So put on that stand. How are you guys? You guys doing good? I am so thankful that I have the opportunity to share with you guys today. I do not take it lightly. It is Mother's Day, and I'm just excited. So, a little bit about my mom, because there's no one like my mom either. Y'all know that. She's amazing and fantastic, and she's the mother of this house and the pastor of this house. And she deserves her own celebration today that we plan to give her, but you see she's not here. And she is actually fulfilling the role of a mother today. Uh, my nephew fell yesterday while playing basketball, and it seems as if he has broke his foot, and they are in the emergency room. So she is, she was, is, I don't know if she might still have the same outfit on. If you have the same outfit, Mom, you look great today for Mother's Day. Um, but that's where she is today. But I still want to honor her on Mother's Day. There is no one like Kathy Miller in the whole world, and I'm grateful that I got to be raised by her. I love you, Mom, if you're here there online for all of you ladies that are here again if you're our mom from biological children if you foster children if you want children one day or maybe children were never for you but you have loved people like your own happy mother's day so we have been on a i was going to say something really nice about my husband today but i'm too emotional so i'll write it to him in a card because all of you ladies made me so emotional but I am thankful for Jordan. He's normally the one up here, and today it's my turn, and he so diligently helped me do this. And it's because of him that some of these things are now my story, and so I'm thankful for that. So, thank you. Okay, we've been on a series called Table Stories, and we have been talking about the different disciples around Jesus's table. And everybody on the preaching team has just knocked it out of the park. They've done so well. Um, Pastor Jay, at the beginning when he opened up talking about Judas, he literally talk, took some of my content. I was like, really, dude? You've been preaching for like 100 years. <laughs> Could you save something for us that haven't? <laughs> but <laughs> thankfully, it touched my life and many of you I know. And all the way through to uh, Pastor Cole and Eva and their preaching about turning over the tables. And it has just been incredible all the way through. So I was asked to speak on Mother's Day in April, and you're like, oh, you're good, girl. You've had lots of time to prepare. And that is true um, in time, the time that I was giving, given, but I was given a woman in the Bible who was close to the table, who was around the table, but she didn't have a seat at the table. She didn't have the title of disciple, but she functioned as one in many ways. And today I'm going to be talking to you about Mary Magdalene. So, Mary Magdalene, we don't have as much information on her as maybe we would have liked to have on her. But I do know that the Holy Spirit gave us enough information for what I'm going to share with you today through the scriptures. So, 
But before we get there, if you have attended the Gate Church longer than five years, raise your hand. Okay, that's the majority of you in this building. I know I'm a miller, all right? My dad founded this church. My mom pastors this church. My sisters have spoke on this platform, and they have blazed a trail like nobody's business. But go ahead and just get it out of your mind. Is she going to be like Bishop? Is she going to be like Pastor Kathy? Is she going to be like Pastor Amanda? Is she going to be like Pastor Lindsay? I do not have six-inch heels today on, so probably not going to communicate like Pastor Amanda. I'm not a great storyteller, so I may not communicate like Pastor Lindsay. <laughs> and my parents, I'm not even going to touch that. But I do believe that God has a word for us today. Okay? So bear with me, and we're going to see what Jesus says today. Does that work? All right, so we're going to start in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. It said, says, Soon afterwards he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who they called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife, how do you say that? Of Chusa? Herod Stewart and Susanna and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. So like I already said, we are focusing on Mary Magdalene today. And so as you know, in scripture, there's lots of assumptions that people have made about who Mary Magdalene is, what she's gone through, what she's experienced, who was she this woman in the Bible, was she that woman in the Bible, everybody in the Bible was named Mary. So it's hard to conclude who she actually was versus Mary of Bethany or Mary the mother of Jesus or Mary the mother of James and John. So we had lots of Marys going on, right? But here's what we do know. She's Mary Magdalene. She gets her name from where she's from, Magdala in scripture, which is on the Sea of Galilee. She was healed of seven demons. And in later scripture, we're gonna find she was at the death, burial and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Those are the facts that we do know about Mary Magdalene. Can we agree on that? Okay, so in this scripture, Jesus's ministry was just beginning. And he was developing his 12 disciples. And then you had Mary there, who was, like I already said, there's a lot of assumptions going on. She was an outcast. She was overlooked. She was forgotten. She was talked about. She was assumed to be something. And so I began to research when they gave me this topic of what was the significance of telling us that she was healed of seven demons, right? What does that mean? So I said, okay, I know the number seven means perfect, right? Or completion. Um, God created the earth and the world in seven days. So that's completed, right? So I just began doing all this research. Okay, and at that time in history, what I discovered was that when someone of that time was demon-possessed with seven demons, they, that meant to them that they were completely possessed, okay? So no one in history at that time would touch them, okay? So if you had five demons, they would try to come and cast them out of you, like the religious leaders and the high priest but not seven. And you say, well, why? 
it's because at that time they believed that if you were completely demon-possessed, then it was emotional. And your mind was emotionally in torment and turmoil, and so you were too far gone. That no man, no high priest at that time could get to you. So Mary Magdalene was one of those people left to herself. No one would touch her except those who wanted to abuse her to continue on her story of assumptions and what they thought she was at that time. So with that in mind, and because of her diagnosis, she was left to herself, alone, weary. Have you ever, I don't maybe it's just me, but sometimes when my mind, when I get in my feels, or I get in my mind, it's like you feel foggy. Have you ever done that? Have you ever felt that way? Okay, that's how she was all the time. She didn't even know who she was, or what she was about, or what she was doing, or why she was doing it, all the time. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't know about you, but I'd be like taking some vitamin D, going for a run, going shopping, doing something to get me out of the fog, right? She physically could not do that. But Jesus came on the scene. And when Jesus came on the scene, he met her where she was. And her seven demons didn't scare him. He didn't say, oh, I ain't touching that. He said, Mary, be healed. That was it. Mary, be healed. And in that moment, he gave her an invitation. He gave her an invitation to decide, what are you going to do now? Could you imagine being Mary and you're so almost like on pain medicine, drugged up, like, oh my gosh, I don't know, upside down from sideways, I don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, the son of God comes by and goes, Holly, be healed. And all that's gone instantly. And then, I don't know about you, but I would be like, what do I do? What do I do with this? Where do I go from here? Do I go back to what I knew? Do I go back to my friends that have tormented me? Do I stay right here? Everyone, every town among the Sea of Galilee knew who she was. So everywhere she went, she had a reputation. So what now? Could you imagine how she felt in that moment? Her mind is free all of the sudden, but she has no idea what to do with herself. She has no idea. But when Jesus gave her the invitation that day, she made a choice. It was a very simple choice. You wanna know what she chose? She chose Jesus. She chose him back. He chose her in the midst of her mess, but then she chose Jesus back. And that day, Jesus took a risk, right? He took a risk of what would Mary do? He didn't know. We have a free will, the Bible teaches us that. But he took a chance on a woman that no one would touch. And then she took a chance on a man that no one knew. 
So as I was prepping for this sermon, I'm just going to be really real with you guys. (laughs) I said to myself, they gave me this topic, and I was like, really? It was my mom, Pastor Cole, and Jordan sitting around a table at my house giving me Mary Magdalene. I was like, really? That is rude of y'all. And so for me, in order to communicate, I don't feel confident as a communicator. I have to put myself in the story of where do I see myself in this story. And I'll be honest, I was like a lot of the people during the time that Mary Magdalene was alive. I was like, I can't relate to her. I don't know what it's like to have seven demons. Like, whew, I don't know what she was into. You know, I was making my own assumptions about who she was and how my life didn't compare to it. Right? How wrong of me is that? But I did it. I really did it, guys. It's terrible. And I was going back and forth in my house, and I was telling Jordan, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. You want to preach on Mother's Day? You got something to say to women? (laughs) And the next morning, I woke up and was very convicted of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, all right. So I just went into the shower, and I was like, God, explain to me what you're saying to me. And the Holy Spirit convicted me, saying, how are you really different than her? How are you different? And I literally stopped in the shower. And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm different. And he said, no, not really. He said, let me take you back to remember. And I said, okay. You see, four years ago, I found myself in a similar position to Mary Magdalene. My life was falling apart. It had fallen apart. My marriage was over. My family loved me, couldn't help me. Everything in life that I had known, gone. Gone, overnight. My mind, spinning. I didn't know up from down, yesterday to today. Was I married? Was I not married? Did I love these kids? Did I not love these kids? Did I love my parents? Did I not love my parents? Did I have sisters? I don't know. I was a wreck. A wreck. And it was because, yes, things happened in our marriage. Yes, things happened in my family. Yes, I did things. Yes, things were done to me. But my emotional baggage that I carried of comparison, of manipulation or control to get my way, of stubbornness, because there ain't no man gonna tell me what to do, of pride, I'm better than that, had me wrapped up so tight that I couldn't see if Jesus was to walk in the room. So, I'll never forget it. Jordan was gone. He had gone to North Carolina. And my dad called me. And my dad said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I feel like you should tell me what to do. (laughs) And he said, what do you feel, Holly? And I said, I don't know what I feel, Dad, but here's what I know. I got one more straw 
in the bottom of the barrel and I'm going to use it. And he said, what does that mean? I said, I'm going to make my way to Hidden Night. And when I make my way to Hidden Night, my last straw is Jesus. And I'm going to see if it works. And I've been raised in a Christian home, and I've learned all the things. But now I'm going to see how real this is. And in that moment, my dad said back to me, you do what God tells you to do, and I got you. Now, that sounds very like he just gave me a big hug on the phone. He didn't. What happened at that moment was that God purposely took away every comfort I had in a moment. Because you see, at that time, my biggest hero in my life was my dad. There was nobody better than Tony Miller on the whole planet, including Jesus. Because he was amazing. And the second on that list was Jay Pike. Because he had been like a brother to me, and I looked up to him. And I thought, there was nobody else in the world as perfect as Jay. <laughs> I knew in my head... But I so looked up to them, right? And then third was Jordan, whom I love dearly, not as much as I love them other two. And so that day, I called Jay. What do you think I should do? That's literally what Jay's face was. I'll, 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 I'll pray for you. <laughs> called my dad. Do what only you can do. For me, what took place that day was every other source that I put my trust in was taken away. And it was intentional. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And so I find myself a couple of days later in Hidden Night, North Carolina, in a big farmhouse. And they have a small room where they do their um, retreats, as they call them. And I was there, honestly, I'll be really honest with y'all. I was there to say, I had already worked it out with Jordan's dad that, see, they were going to watch the kids, but then they were going to bring the kids back to me on Sunday, and they are going to take Jordan back home because my decision was made. So we were going to, like, switch. I was coming 40 west. He was going 40 east. So my mind was made up. And that Friday night, I'm sitting in that retreat, and I said, God, if you can help me to forgive Jordan just because he's my kid's dad, and I recognize that for the rest of my life, we will share children, that would be great. But my mind's made up. Little did I know that that night, Jesus was going to give me an invitation. And when he did, the late, you guys have heard Jordan preach about the little lady from the mountains before. Denise is her name. Denise was teaching. And I didn't know that she was teaching her cu curriculum all out of order that night. But she began to talk and tell her story. 
And then all of a sudden, she said, is his blood not enough? Is his blood not enough for you? And she like dropped the mic and walked out the door. And I was like, well, yeah, because my Christian raising was like, okay, I've heard this before. But I had never felt what I felt that night when Jesus was looking at me like he looked at Mary Magdalene and said, Holly, be healed. My blood's enough. Be healed. So then I had to make a choice. What was I going to do? Was I still going to send Jordan 40 East packing? Was I going to take my marriage back? Was I going to call my dad and ask him what to do? What was I going to do? I had to choose Jesus. And I did choose Jesus that night. And from that night forward, Jordan's sitting here today, it has never been brought back up what went on in our marriage. Never. Because that night, Jesus reached down to me and healed me. So I ask you today, maybe you're like me. Maybe you judge your neighbor for what they do. Maybe you look at other people and go, ooh, <laughs> I ain't nothing like them. They're crazy. <laughs> Maybe you, too, had assumptions about Mary Magdalene. Maybe you're covering up your inward sins and trying to justify their outward ones. Or... Maybe you chose Jesus long ago. Maybe you chose him in 1985. Maybe you chose him in 1995. Maybe you chose him in 2005. Maybe you chose him in 2015. Maybe you even chose him in 2020. But you put that back down. I have a question for you today. Will you choose Jesus? He's wanting to get down in the middle of your life. Because he's already chose you, but will you choose him? So, I had to learn to choose him every day in spite of my difficult circumstances, in spite of my surroundings, in spite of people's own assumptions and opinions about what had or had not happened and what I should and should not do. I had to keep choosing Jesus. Mary Magdalene had to get up that day and she had to start walking, one foot right in the other, with a reputation that she didn't know what she could do with. Holly had to keep walking with a reputation, with, oh my gosh, I would not have made the same decision you did. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What are you thinking? He is crazy. What are you doing? We'll take care of you and them babies. Don't you do this? All of it was said. But you know what they didn't know? They weren't with me that Friday night in Hidden Night in North Carolina. And they didn't know that Jesus chose me and I chose him. So, next in Mary's life, what happened? She got up, and she
and she followed Jesus. And she followed him the rest of his ministry days and then the rest of her life. She walked with the other 12 disciples. She talked with them. She did all of the things. She laughed with them. She was around all of them all the time. She watched all the ministry happen. She watched all the miracles happen. She was one of them, right? She had to imagine a new life than the one that she had come from. And the way she had to do that was that she first chose Jesus, second, she followed him, right? So when she became a devoted follower of Christ and she traveled all over the world with them or that area for the next three and a half years, she had to make another choice. And you're like, what she had to do now, right? She had to choose to trust Jesus even when she didn't know what the outcome would be. She didn't know who Jesus was. All she knew was that right back there at her house, something changed her life and she got right back up. Me, I didn't know what was gonna happen, but all I knew was at that farmhouse in Hidden Night, North Carolina, Jesus reached down and gave me an invitation and I got right back up, right? She didn't know, all those disciples knew who she was, knew what she had done, knew all of the sins that were on display. She had to walk with them. Could you imagine as you read the scriptures, Peter, girl, who do you think you are? Why are you coming with us? <laughs> or the others, could you imagine the gossip that she heard between them? They're human. They might be disciples for us today, but they're human. Y'all know they talk about each other. Okay, doesn't matter if they were Jesus or not. They're human. And she had to hear all of that. Could you imagine being her? But she continued to trust Jesus. She didn't trust in a circumstance. She didn't trust in a perfect life. She trusted him. So there's two ways that you can know I'm trusting Jesus. The first way is that you endure. She endured it. She endured the pain. She endured the talk, the gossip, the naysayers. She endured it. Another way you know you can trust Jesus is by how honest you are with him. You see, Mary didn't have that problem. She didn't have anything else left. Some of the other disciples did. She didn't. Because she knew there's nothing else I can do except trust in Jesus. And the only way I can trust in him is I got to be honest. Because three and a half years ago, he came to my house in Magdala. And he gave me that invitation. I understand this in, Mar in Mary's story because I too have had to endure a few things, not just with Jordan and I in our um, meltdowns that we had, but with the parents that I had. I had and have incredible parents. They paved a way for us 
in a lot of ways. But you had to endure a few things because when you're Tony Miller's kid, there's a lot of expectation put on you of what you will do, what you will not do, how you will dress, how you will not dress, how you will and will not speak, what you will and not will, where you will and will not go, what car you'll drive, all the things. I had to endure because I'm the youngest of three. I have two incredible sisters who can communicate, declare the gospel, like, with the best. And you guys know it. You've heard them. I was the youngest. I was sweet Holly. I still am sweet. <laughs> but you say, what do you mean you had to endure? I've watched your life from the outside. You know, it doesn't look like you had, had it too bad. That's because you watch them from the outside. <laughs> we had a great family life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that when my life was falling apart and everyone else's was going okay, I had to endure. And I had to say, I'm trusting Jesus. I don't know where this is going to go, <laughs> but I'm trusting him. And I'm going to keep trusting him. And I'm going to keep trusting him. And when, even when those closest to you go, don't do that. And you go, well, that's okay, because I'm trusting Jesus. <laughs> I don't know the outcome, but I'm still trusting Jesus, okay? And then I had to endure through the pain that Jordan and I have went through in our personal lives. And then I had to find myself saying, how honest am I going to be? Because you see, I went to Hidden Night because of what something that had been done to me. But when I left Hidden Night, I was honest with about who I was and what I had done, whether externally or internally. And so sometimes when you are enduring, you're being honest, you're learning to trust Jesus, and you know you have it in your head, and you have it in your spirit, and you're like, oh man, these days are hard. What am I going to do? I don't understand. You're trying to call everybody on the phone to encourage you, and nobody's really encouraging you, and it's because Jesus is ripping those things away from you. And you're like, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. You know what you can do? Speak the word. You can speak the word over your life. So when I was growing up, my dad took me to school every day. Every day, almost. Okay, and we prayed on the way to school every day. And he would say this over me every day and over himself. And I'm going to say it to you. And then you guys can say it to yourselves if you want later. But this is the kind of stuff that I'm saying that you have to say when you're learning to trust Jesus because you don't know what the outcome's going to be. When you don't know, this is what you have to say. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am blessed going in and going out. You, God, are leading me in triumph in every situation. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against me I can vindicate, for that's my heritage as a servant of the Lord. I declare the greater one lives in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You, God, satisfy my life with good things. You, God, renew my youth like the eagles. I declare health, strength, and life over every part of my body. You, God, are a quickening spirit, and you make me alive today. You cause me to walk in full provision. I have everything that I hath need of. No good thing do you withhold from those who walk uprightly before you. 
you will supply all of my needs. According to your word, I have been assigned an anointing, and I cover that anointing with your word. I thank you that I have never seen the righteous forsaken, so you're not going to start with me. I thank you that opportunities are coming my way. Doors are opening for me. My family is covered by the blood of the lamb, and the word is my testimony. And this is how he would always end. I'm not trying to get it. I've got it. Every day. And I'd get out of the car, and he'd say, Holly, you don't have to try to get it. You got it. Every day. I had to remember that when my life was falling apart. That all I had to do was open scripture. You see, Mary Magdalene didn't have a Bible. She had the person of Jesus. And so she had to follow him with those 12 disciples everywhere he went. You see, today, all we got to do is follow this. Everywhere we go, it's just say, God, you said. You're not a man that you should lie. So you said it. So you're going to do it, right? So maybe there's someone in here today that says, I know what that kind of feels like. Having to learn how to trust and be honest. This is what I felt like the Lord was saying to me to tell you today during this particular point. I felt God saying, be honest, endure. I have a few things I want to trust you with. Don't give up yet. You see, he had a few things he wanted to trust Mary with. We just hadn't got a part of that story yet. We haven't got to that part of her story yet. So Mary's trust in Jesus led her right into Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Right? So turn with me to John 20. I'm going to read quite a few scriptures, so don't tune out yet. But I got, you got to tell the whole story. Right? Verse 1, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples who Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb. (laughs) Nice sound effect. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb and saw the linen wrappings as well lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciples who had first come to the tomb, then also entered, and he saw, and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting one on the head and one on the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they had taken away my Lord, and I did not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Okay? I just got to say this. I got to make this point. Most people 
when they teach Mary Magdalene at this point, they say, you see, she didn't even recognize her Savior. Well, duh. He had just died and rose again. You wouldn't recognize him either. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to the brethren and say to them, I have ascended to the Father and your Father, and may God be your God. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Okay, so Mary gets there early in the morning. First one there. Sees the stone was rolled away. Isn't it amazing in the scripture what she does first? She runs to get the disciples. How, I would imagine, if I was Mary, I was, gonna, I was thinking, oh my gosh, guys, come look at this. What's happening? What are we going to do? He's not here. Where do we go from here? Right? I felt like the Lord said to me, how many times do we run to other people to tell us what only God can do? You see, I did that. I ran to my dad. I ran to other people to tell me what to do. When my tomb, the tomb that I was looking at of Jesus was empty. How many times do we do that? We do that so often, right? And they all, every one of them, ran away and hid. Been walking with Jesus for three years knew they knew he had told them he gave them a warning and they still ran like what in the world they ran and hid but Mary stayed and Mary went back and looked just one more time she could have run she could have followed their lead. But she said, let me trust one more time. And let me see what's going to happen. You see, a lot of times in our lives, people run and hide, and they don't know what to do with us. They say, I'm getting the farthest away from that person that I can get. But a friend comes and looks one more time because they don't let you get away. So Mary Magdalene, three and a half years earlier, filled to completion with seven demons, now is a friend of Jesus, looking for him one more time. And when she looked, the angels were there. And Jesus appeared to her and speaking to her and all he had to say three years later was her name and she knew instantly who he was instantly so my question to you today are you willing to go 
from a deliverance to a relationship? Because only Jesus' love can do that. Are you a friend of Jesus enough that you'll go look one more time? Because I believe that Jesus is asking somebody in here today, just give me one more time. If you give me one more time, then I'm going to meet you there. And I already know what I'm going to say. And all I have to say is your name. Because you care. He, Mary, he cared so much about Mary. He stopped eternity for a moment's time and talked to her. He stopped eternity, y'all. And we get concerned that he won't meet us in our family drama. But he stopped eternity for Mary. So why wouldn't he do it for you? He said, Mary. And then he said, don't touch me. Because what did she want to do? She wanted to run and give him a hug. When you haven't seen your friend in a minute, what do you do? You run and give him a hug. She wanted to feel his embrace. But when he said, don't touch me, he hadn't yet ascended to the Father. So she got a glimpse of what was to come in that moment. So Mary chose Jesus, right? We established that. Mary trusted Jesus. When we choose and we trust Jesus, he always gives a reward, always. And in return, this is what he gave Mary. He trusted her. And he does it for me and for you. You see, I had to choose Jesus. I had to trust Jesus and am still trusting Jesus. But you know what he gave me as a reward? He gave me my family back. He gave me my friends back. All those people that talked about me, they don't do it anymore. You know why? Because of Jesus. That's the only reason. Do you want to know what Mary's reward was? He gave her the gospel, y'all. He literally gave it to her and said, go and tell the disciples what you've seen and that I'm coming. Meet me on the Sea of Galilee. Let's go to the beach, guys. He gave it to her. So the last thing, we're going to finish up Mary's story that she had to do was she had to speak Jesus. She had to go to the disciples when they didn't believe her. They saw the tomb was empty. Mary says, he got up. Still didn't believe her. Y'all making these connections? Empty tomb. He got up. I don't think so. But she continued speaking Jesus. And she said, all I got to do is tell you, because he's going to do the rest. All I got to do is say he's coming. And then what happened next? He showed up and said, peace be with you. Right? On the Sea of Galilee. And from that moment forward, Mary went about her life speaking Jesus. From the mountaintops and in the streets, like we sang this morning, everywhere she spoke Jesus. So you're like, okay, Holly, I got ham in the oven. I need to go. 
I'm with you, sister. Here's my thing that I want us to learn from Mary today. Mary chose Jesus. Will you choose Jesus? Even when you don't know? Mary trusted Jesus. Will you trust him or will you continue to trust him? You might say, I'm 85 years old. I've been trusting Jesus for a long time. Well, you know what? You ain't dead yet. Keep going, sister or brother. If you're alive, you still have a reason to be here. So keep trusting him. And lastly, are you going to speak him? Is everywhere you go, even with the naysayers, are you going to be able to say, Jesus did this, and I'm just going to tell you about it, but all you got to know is he's about to show up because he does his work and I do mine. So if you're listening to me and you say, I want that, I want that. I want to be able to have Mary's confidence. I have Mary's sin. You'd be lying if you said you didn't. But I want that. I want that relationship with Jesus. Then all I, this is all I want you to do. I want you to lift your hands like this. And I'm going to say a prayer over you. And you can pray with me. Because when Jesus comes to us, it's intimate, it's personal, but it's powerful. Jesus, we acknowledge you. We acknowledge that it's only you who can deliver us. Help me to choose you every day. Help me to trust before the reward comes. Help me to endure the process and be honest with you. Help me to be honest with me. Help me to be honest with me. Jesus, we know that you were faithful to Mary. Jesus, we know that you were faithful to Mary. We've heard that you've been faithful to Holly. We've heard that you've been faithful to Holly. And you'll be faithful to me too. And you'll be faithful to me. So Jesus, I choose you today. So Jesus, I choose you today. I choose you. I choose you. I trust you. I trust you. I, I will speak your name. I will speak your name. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Maybe you've never heard about this Jesus that we're talking about this morning. Maybe you don't know what that means to have a relationship with him. And so if that's you today, same thing. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I ask that you come into my heart today, that you make me brand new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me today. Lord, I accept you into my life as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's one last thought that I want to leave you with today. Only the love of Jesus can deliver you and sustain you. So when you go about your day today, make sure that the love of Jesus is on your lips, is in your attitude, is in your demeanor, because that's the only thing that can carry you through. So I think the prayer teams are gonna come um, for the end of service. And if you want someone to agree with you in prayer, they'll be up here and they'll be happy to do that. I think Ashley and the team's gonna lead us in a song. But as you go today, we wanna bless you. And you know, we do something special here at the gate. And so I'm gonna say that this morning and then they're gonna sing and you can come for prayer if you'd like. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you.
May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go and be blessed. Thank you for joining us online today. Uh, it's been our, our prayer and heart for you this week that today would be impactful, both in worship and the Word. Uh, we uh, really, really enjoy connecting with you on a weekly basis. This might have been your first time online today, if so we invite you back. If you're in OKC, we always invite you to our campus here in Northwest Oklahoma City. Uh, we just really feel like a community of believers being formed here, both online and on campus. Uh, our prayer for you this coming week is that you experience the truth of this message today lived out in your life. The reality is, is we can all find ourselves in that story, uh, and we have to trust God uh, not only that he will get us out of the trouble, but we have to trust God to continue to keep us in a place that we can pursue him. Uh, I trust him, and I hope you do too. So we just pray for you. If you received Jesus for the first time today, we want to celebrate that with you. Let one of our team members know there in the chat on Facebook, on YouTube, or on our website. Uh, that way we can continue to pray for you. But I'm going to speak a blessing over you. We're going to release you today, uh, and we're just going to uh, continue to pray for you throughout this week, uh, believing God's best for your life. God, we just thank you for each person that joined online today. We thank you for their lives, for who they are. God, we thank you that you're causing their lives to exceed all expectation, God. They're going to live an over-the-top life. God, I pray that you s speak to them today out of this message. Really uh, show them your truth in their life in this, God. We speak life. We speak blessing. We speak a great week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll see you next Sunday.